What's up, Minuteman fans? I'm Sean Oldred here today with the second episode of Tip Off Week for UMass Men's Basketball. I'm joined today by Chris Vogel and Andrew Samaha. We've got a schedule breakdown episode, non conference schedule. We'll be talking about all 12 games that the Minuteman have in the non conference. They've got some pretty good game guy, games, guys, uh, this year. I like their schedule non conference wise. Let's just dive into it. They start off against Central Connecticut State. Central Connecticut State, obviously a team that struggled last year. They were 8-24. and What do you guys see out of this game from the Minutemen? Obviously, this is kind of a tune-up game. Um, you know, make sure the Minutemen come out at home, come out with a win. But, uh, you know, what do you expect from the Minutemen in this game? What do you expect from CCSU? As you said, it's that tune-up game. I don't think – like, there's not much of an expectation on Central Connecticut this year. It's firmly that Quadrant 4 game. Just build up your win total. I think it's a good opportunity to see UMass try some new bodies, get everybody some minutes and see how they play in a competitive environment. You know, I agree with that. I think it's a, a good game for UMass to try and establish a defense last year. Um, they weren't great in terms of defensive rating points allowed per game. Uh, so it should be a good game for them to try and work on their defense, work on their interior defense. Yeah. Andrew, that's a really good point. Um, I think all Minutemen fans will remember probably how poor their defense was at points during last season, um, really struggling with any sort of interior presence. And Frank Martin has kind of a notoriously more difficult defense to learn. Um, you know, he plays a more physical brand of basketball. That's what they're going to play. Obviously, there's a lot of guys in this team that have never played for Frank before. Um, so that learning curve is going to be real, especially at the beginning of the season. And that brings us in to our next game in Townsend. Townsend's a very, very good basketball team. Um, Ken Palm has them ranked criminally low, I think at 98, but they were 25 and nine last year. They lost to Delaware in the colonial semifinals, um, a Delaware team they'd beaten twice prior in the year. Um, and then they made the NIT and lost to Wake Forest in the first round. Obviously Wake Forest being an ACC school, um, you know, no shame really in that, but this team is very, very good, and Pat Scary is a very good head coach as well. They're projected in the preseason to win that conference pretty easily. They're returning a bunch of guys. Andrew, what do you like out of Townsend, um, you know, early in the season, and how do you see the Minutemen kind of stacking up against them? What I really like about Towson is they're returning guys. They're not a team that brought in a lot of transfers. I've only seen about one transfer here on the, on the roster. They're bringing back three guys who are all 10-plus point scorers, shooting good field goal percentages, two all-CAA players last year, one of them winning the CAA All-Defensive Player of the Year award. Uh, I'd like to see the Minutemen be able to just, just be able to get some, get some points on the board against this team. Towson also with a really good defense, great interior defense. They got a guy who averaged, who averaged I think he was about like sixth in the nation last year in blocks, so it would be nice if they can establish a paint presence against him. Looking at them, I think overall, I like their shooting. They shot almost 36% from three, which is a pretty good mark. They rebound well. They won, on average, the rebound margin by over six boards a game last year. I think they can play well in every aspect. I personally don't like this game scheduled for U UMass. It's a very tough team from a smaller conference that I think they very evenly match in terms of how good of a basketball team they are. It's just net publicly, like from the – Outside looking in, if you're not following this team closely, it's dangerous to play that type of game against a team from the Colonial where even if you win, Towson is very much a tournament team and they would be very competitive even in the A-10. 
but it's still, you look at, okay, you beat a colonial team, you're an A-10 team, you should do that. Or you lost to a colonial team as an A-10 team, what went wrong? Even if ne- even if that's not necessarily an accurate outlook of the game. Yeah, Chris, you're, you're right on that. Um, with that kind of, you know, if you don't have that in-depth knowledge of college basketball, the, uh, this could be a tough game if the Minutemen lose that obviously the Colonial, a inferior conference to the A-10, but Townsend, no joke whatsoever, a very, very good basketball team. Andrew, you mentioned all those guys they've got coming back. They've got four returning starters um, on a team that won 25 games last year. So Nicholas Timberlake averaged 14.4 points per game. Cam Holden averaged 13 and a half. Charles Thompson averaged 10.8. Uh, Jason Gibson averaged 9.8. I mean, that is scary, bringing all of those guys back. And when you add in the D2 player of the year, I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce his name, but Saku Sila, he was a 22.4 per game scorer and shot 58% from the field at Nova Southeastern. Again, you know, D2 program, but obviously those numbers kind of speak for themselves. Townsend's a good team. They're probably going to make the tournament again this year. Um, and they're going to probably run through their conference with ease. So tough game for the Minutemen. Chris, you also brought up a good point. I think for that game's later in the season, it pro- later in this non-conference schedule, it probably benefits the Minutemen. But early on in the year, it'll be a really good test to see how good this UMass team is early in the season, which I think is exciting. You'll learn a lot about UMass during that game. And it's a very, very critical game in their non-conference schedule. One of the better opponents that they play. Moving on, that takes us to Colorado. Colorado is the first game of the MTE that the Minutemen are playing down in Myrtle Beach this year. Colorado was a very good team last year that was on the bubble of making the tournament. They're ranked 61st in Kempom to start the year off. 21-12 and 12 last year. They lost Arizona in the Pac-12 tournament. They lost to St. Bonaventure in the first round of the NIT. St. Bonaventure obviously ending up going all the way to the Garden um, to the NIT Final Four last year. So that Bonaventure team, you know, very good kind of, you know, didn't really meet expectations last year. Knocked this Colorado team out of the postseason last year. What do you see out of Colorado, Chris? Um, obviously, a power six opponent in college basketball. Uh, big game for the Minutemen to you know kind of cement their place among college it's basketball. The, it's the only power six game guaranteed for UMass this year. It's their only shot to really pull off one that conference by conference is an upset. I look looking at their roster. It's going to be rough for Colorado early. They lost their top two players from last year, in my opinion. Evan Batty graduated. He was a senior. And then Jabari Walker drafted in the second round. Both of them six foot eight forwards from California. Combined, that's almost 27, that's 27 points, 15 rebounds, and three assists. Walker almost averaged a double-double last year for them. That's a lot of production. They've got to find a way to replace. And Colorado did a really good job bringing in guys to try and replace uh, a guy like Jabari Walker, who, who, as you mentioned, got drafted. They brought in two guys from the Ivy League, uh, Jalen Gavidon. He averaged about uh, 11.3 points a game on 48% from the field. And also Ethan Wright, who averaged 14.7 on about 50% from the field. This Colorado team, they rebound really well, which will be a good test for, for UMass and the new big guys they brought in. And also, they're a team that does turn the ball over a lot, so it would be good for UMass to try and take advantage of the turnovers of the team that doesn't play the best defense, that if you can use the turnovers to your advantage, get some points on the break, maybe stay in this game. 
Yeah, absolutely. Good points by both you guys. Colorado is a critical game for the Minutemen. Um, you know, only guaranteed game against, you know, a power six opponent. It's a big one for the Minutemen. And especially in that tournament, obviously they're looking to advance to that next round where they would play the winner of Texas A&M and Murray State. We're not going to go too in-depth on this one, but I think it's just important to talk about both of them a little bit. Texas A&M last year was a team that was absolutely robbed from the tournament. Definitely was a tournament team, playing like a tournament team late. They went all the way to the SEC championship game. They upset Florida, Auburn, and Arkansas on their way to the SEC championship game. Buzz Williams is one of Frank Martin's very, very close friends, um, something he talked about in media availability last year last week, excuse me, um, that they used to scrimmage frequently when Frank was at Kansas State and Buzz was at Marquette. And then again, when uh, when Frank moved to South Carolina and Buzz was still at Marquette, but then once obviously they were in the same conference, they, uh, they could not uh, scrimmage each other anymore. But Murray State, the other team that they could end up playing, Murray State, one of the best, you know, uh, mid-majors in the country coming out of the Missouri Valley Conference. They were very, very good last year as well. Uh, 31 and three last year. They advanced to the second round of the tournament uh, where they lost to the absolute wagon that was the St. Peter's Peacocks last year. Uh, but they did pick up a win in the first round against San Francisco, who's a really good team last year. Well coached and Todd Golden over there. But this is a good team. Um, you know, in Murray State again this year, they're well coached. They're going to be a tough team to face. So whoever UMass gets in that next round, uh, will also be interesting to uh, to talk about. And whoever they end up playing will be a solid opponent as well. That moves us on. They're going to play another game in that tournament. It depends on who it is, on who advances on the other side of that bracket. But we won't focus on that too much. Going to move on. Going to talk about USF. The Minutemen take on the Bulls of South Florida um, on November 29th. That game, South Florida is a team that, you know, historically has not been great. But uh, what do you guys see out of South Florida? Um, and what do you expect out of the Minutemen in that game? Obviously, they got to travel uh, down to Tampa to play that one. Yeah, not too high of expectations on USF in this game. Uh, finished very poorly last year, 8-23, and 23, uh, with a 3-15 and 15, uh, conference record. They averaged about 57 points a game, and they're not returning any players that average double digits. Uh, they did bring in... Uh, good, a good deal of transfers from some pretty big schools. They brought in a Texas Tech guy, South Carolina, Kansas State, and a guy from Memphis. Uh, these are really going to be their main scorers in this game, uh, but they're not going to have any chemistry going with each other. This team last year turned the ball over at a very high rate, didn't shoot well from the field, didn't shoot well from three. So hopefully this just isn't too much of a trap game for UMass. Andrew hit on a lot of the points I was going to do. That trap game comment's interesting because it comes right on the – I know you do have some time off, but it comes on the heel of the multi-team event. And, again, eight days off, you don't get that much. The one thing I noticed looking at the stats for U USF, teams shoot well on them. They're pretty poor defensively. I think it was over – it was almost 42%. Average is around 35. So, definitely a team you put a lot of points up on if you're on that night. Yeah, you guys hit it exactly. You know, USF, poor defensively. Don't expect much out of them this year. Should be a win for the Minutemen. But obviously, anytime you got to get on a plane, you know, spend a night in a hotel, not wake up, you know, someplace you're comfortable, that can throw guys off. This is their first, you know, obviously they go down to Myrtle Beach where they'll play a bunch of games in a short period of time. But that's their first true away game of the year as well. 
Um, so that can throw people off too. So, but that being said, takes us in to another true away game. I'm not sure how much of a true away game it'll end up being, but the Minutemen take on Harvard on December 2nd at Harvard, going to Cambridge to take on Tommy Amaker's crew. Harvard is a team that he's significantly improved from where they were last year. They're returning a lot of their guys. Um, so I think this Harvard team will be better than they were last year, but I'm still not sold that they're anything super, super special. Um, Chris Ledlam is a name that Minutemen fans probably remember. He's played against them a bunch. Um, you know, in recent years, I didn't treat out somebody else, you know, to kind of look out for in that game. This is a very similar team to the Harvard team that UMass played last year and handled with ease. Um, I don't think that it will be, you know, kind of that blowout game that we saw last year. I think this Harvard game, this Harvard team is much improved and it shows in the Ivy League preseason polls. They were ranked fourth in that poll. They received a first place vote um, behind Gale, Princeton and Penn. So the Ivy League is an, has become an increasingly better basketball conference over the recent years. Uh, and Harvard is a good, good team, and they're very well coached. Tommy Amaker is one of my favorite coaches in all of college basketball. So what do you guys expect out of the Minutemen in this game? What do you expect out of Harvard? Um, and who do you see coming out with a win? I think the Ivy as a whole has been hurt a lot by the COVID year because they can't take advantage of that and have grads. They don't allow grad students to play. You get four years when you're at a high school, and that's it. So they're going to be a young, they're a younger team in total than you'd expect with the way college basketball is trending. I, they have one major loss from last year. Noah Kirkwood graduated 17.7 points, 5.7 rebounds, three assists, almost two steals and half a block. Basically do it, does it all for the guard position for them last year. That's going to be tough to replace for them. It's a road game in Harvard. Got to take a, about a two-hour bus trip, but it's going to be a predominantly UMass-friendly crowd once you're there. Very small gym. I believe it's already sold out. Should be a good one. I think it'll be close. I like UMass in that matchup, though. I think their size advantage is going to be huge there. And like you mentioned, um, Harvard is bringing back a lot of high scores, like you mentioned, Sean. Uh, Chris Ledlam obviously being the big one, averaging almost 17 points per game. And also Luca Sakota, 11.3 points a game. Um, this will, but they don't really have any established big men on this team. They don't have many, many rebounders other than uh, Chris Ledlam. So expect this to be a game where UMass, they really uh, take advantage of Harvard's size and attack the paint. Yeah, good points all the way around. That game will be a lot of fun. There'll be a lot of Minutemen fans there in Boston, as, uh, you know, UMass tends to do when they play um, out east in Eastern Mass. But moves, moving along the schedule, um, they got Albany after that. Albany is a team that is not very good. Um, and they're in, they're in the America East. They were, you know, 13 and 18, I believe, last year. This is an Albany team that uh, is in rebuild mode, I would say. Dwayne Killings is a guy UMass fans know well and probably remember. Um, he played at UMass from 99 to 2001 um, before he transferred to Hampton. He's kind of bounced around. He's very highly regarded in the coaching world. Um, he was an assistant for the Hornets for a while. He was assistant coach at BU, Temple, UConn, uh, and then was one of uh, Shaka Smart's guys at Marquette before getting the Albany job. So 
I think the the goal for Albany here is not to get blown out. Um, they're in a they're in the America East, which is a solid conference, but not great either. Um, and I just think the Minutemen kind of come into this game. They probably dominate. But what do you guys think of Albany? You know, is there anything special to watch out for with that uh, that Great Dane squad? Uh, not too much to look at here with Albany, other than the fact that they are, like you said, in rebuild mode. They brought in about four to five new transfers this year. It's going to be a new team completely than what they have been in the past. But they're looking at their focus, I'm guessing, is going to be on the uh, America East Rookie of the Year, Justin Neely. Uh, he came off of a season last year, 6.4 points a game, 4.4 rebounds, and he shot 44% from the floor. As a freshman, that might not stand out to you as a player um, who might cause a lot of damage, but going into your sophomore year with that confidence, someone who they're definitely going to focus their offense on uh, with, honestly, with a new team. He's a retur- one of the few returning guys they can depend on. And also, side note, uh, Cam Reddish's brother, Aaron Reddish, is on this roster. Don't know how much of a role he'll play, but look out for him if you're watching this game. I think this is a team you can score on again. They give up a pretty high percentage, both from the field and three-pointer, 44% from the field, 36 from three. Uh, they're don't they're not a great team in the post and near the rim. They get out rebounded pretty consistently. Consistently, they don't block a lot of shots. They are very active though in getting in the passing lanes. They will steal if you're lazy passing. They will make you pay. That's what they're banking any of their defense on is trying to get a steal, get out in transition. Yeah, good points. And honestly, the defense of mindset there will help them in the long run. I think Dwayne Killings is building something there. That's a conference that it's basically for the last few years just been Vermont and no one else. Bryant joins that conference this year, which will make it slightly better. But that's definitely a conference with a lot of room to grow um, because there's only been one good team in that conference for it feels like the last five years. So Bryant coming into that conference, they'll be good. That's a pretty good program over there in Smithfield, Rhode Island. But I do like Albany to get better. I do like Dwayne Killings a lot. That moves us on to the Kennedy Cup game. UMass taking on UMass Lowell. Uh, the Riverhawks are a less than impressive basketball uh, program for the most part, but this is a good game. It's good for the state for these schools to play each other. Um, you know, it's nice when you get the two largest state schools in you know, two large state schools, period, um, in Massachusetts to play each other. They played last year. The Minutemen won 92 to 81, which is probably a closer score then that game reflects it. You know, Lowell did make that game close. It didn't feel like the Minutemen were really ever out of the driver's seat, though, um, in that game. TJ Weeks played really well in that game, if I remember correctly. Um, so what do you guys think of the Riverhawks? Do they have a chance to upset the Minutemen this year? They kind of have that little brother syndrome, um, you know, obviously not being the flagship program. So does Lowell have a chance in this game or do the Minutemen continue to roll? I think you have to save a chance. Anytime you know Lowell's going to be up for that game. They're going to come in here with everything they have. Like you said, they're not happy that we regard ourselves as the flagship and want to just go UMass or Massachusetts. They want they want to pretty much get that equal respect. They're going to make they they want to get to the hoop. They don't shoot a ton of th- to drive. Uh, if they get inside, UMass has the size advantage, so they should they should be able. To stop it, but that's going to be where that UMass can take control of this game. Where 
if they want to get a win, get out of there without it being close, they have to dominate at the rim and not let Lowell be able to finish inside. Another thing with UMass Lowell is they are they brought in a couple transfers that they, that know how to score. They brought in um, a guy from LaSalle, averages 11 points a game. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. And then they got Mikey Watkins from Merrimack, averaged about 10 points a game with uh, almost five assists and three rebounds. But this Lowell team, they will turn you over, but in exchange, they will also turn the ball over a lot. A uh, guy to watch out for in this game is Max Brooks, 10.7 points a game. Uh, 2.3 blocks and six rebounds is definitely scary in the paint. Um, so once again, another like good test in the paint for this UMass Amherst team. And uh, thinking about Lowell last year, they they won at Dayton last year. So hopefully, maybe they'll try to come to Amherst, see what they can pull out. But I think this is a game that Amherst definitely yeah, should. Yeah, it's win. pretty crazy when you think that that Lowell beat Dayton last year, and then Dayton beat Kansas last year, who won the national championship game. You know. Lowell, not that far away from from some big things, maybe. But that uh, that game will be competitive, and it'll be close, like you guys mentioned. You know, Lowell will come in and ready for that game. It's a rivalry, um, and it'll be fun. It's a good atmosphere there. There'll be some decent Lowell fans, um, Lowell turnout fans uh, there. So excited for that game at the Mullen Center this year. That moves us on Hall of Fame and Invitational game that the Minutemen play. They go down to Brooklyn to take on Hofstra, a Hofstra team that was pretty good last year, 21 and 11, um, a team that played some really close games. They almost upset Houston to start their season off last year. They played a really tight game with Maryland. This is a program that's been really good for the last few years. I think anybody you know who's kind of tied into college basketball has realized that um, and they're going to play the Minutemen tough. And obviously they kind of have home court advantage there. Hofstra being uh, on Long Island, that game being played in Brooklyn. What are you guys expecting out of that game uh, for the Minutemen? Do you see, uh, you know, could the Minutemen pull the upset there? You know, I don't know if it's an upset, I guess, but could the Minutemen pull one out in Brooklyn uh, on uh, December 11th? You know, Hofstra, they're, they're a very good team. They're bringing back a lot of or they're bringing in a lot of scores. They were a team that scored a lot of points last year. They did not defend well. So that's the type of match I'm expecting to see, high-scoring affair. They averaged about 78 points a game last year, but they allowed 73 points a game, which is two numbers that are towards the top of the country there. Uh, they don't, don't rebound very well, and they don't turn the ball over very much. They're a young team. They brought in six, they brought in six freshmen, and they brought in four transfers that all average over 10 points a game. So it's a completely new look Hofstra team from last year. It'll be interesting to see uh, how they all work together. And I think it's a game that UMass Amherst can definitely pull out, um, pull out with a victory if, as long as they just they got they just got to play defense against this team. It's a team that knows how to score the ball really well. Andrew basically stole the words in my mouth there. Very high scoring team. The average score was about seventy eight to seventy three across their games. I like that they control the ball and force the errors on the other side. They steal. They have almost eight steals. They have eight steals a game last year, compared to only turning over about five. If you look at that turnover to assist ratio or assist to turnover ratio, it's they don't turn it turn it over as much as they force the turnovers. It's a team that scares me for UMass. I think this is a team that UMass won't match up well with. It's a neutral site game. 
it could turn into one that's a little bit ugly for UMass. And even again, even if Hofstra is the better team, you might not see that national perception of Hofstra being the better team. Yes, I agree with that. All those points, Hofstra, a very, very talented team in terms of scoring the ball. Also, I think it's worth noting that their head coach is Speedy Claxton, who, you know, a lot of people may remember for his you know NBA career. He went to Hofstra um, with a first-round pick out of Hofstra. He was on the Spurs team that won the NBA Finals in 03. Um, he, he was a very, very good college basketball player. Um, his head coach was Jay Wright at Hofstra um, at that time. He played for the Sixers for a while, bounced around the NBA a lot, but has really cemented himself as kind of a legend at Hofstra. Obviously, you know, being a first-round pick from there, a smaller school like that, but also – He's been with Hofstra since 2013. He started off as an assistant coach there. He's been the head coach. Last year was his first year as the head coach. So he's an absolute legend um, on that campus. So I think that's just an interesting you know, tidbit about that team. Also, that's a great day of college basketball in Brooklyn. Iona takes on St. Bonaventure at 1130. There's four separate games that day. Iona St. Bonaventure at 1130. You know, former Minutemen Rick Pitino. Uh, coaching in that game, Oklahoma State versus Virginia Tech at two, Maryland versus Tennessee at 430, and then UMass gets the nightcap against Hofstra at seven, prime time there. Um, so if you're looking for great college basketball, that's absolutely a uh, a day to watch out for. Maybe head down to Brooklyn, scope out Brooklyn before the A-10 tournament. But moving on, another Hall of Fame game that the Minutemen play. They play in the Hall of Fame Classic, which will be played in Springfield against North Texas. North Texas is a team, I think, Chris, we were talking a little bit about this earlier, that we're both pretty high on. This is a very, very good North Texas team um, that will likely make the tournament again. Minutemen fans will remember them going down to Texas last year to play North Texas, and that game was ugly on all sorts of levels for the Minutemen. They really struggled in that game. Um, So what do you guys see out of North Texas? Can the Minutemen win this game? I'm not sure if they can. I do like the fact it's in Springfield, obviously. They'll get a solid turnout there, um, you know, obviously with it being only about, you know, 30 minutes from campus. But what do you guys like into the mean green? There's one number that obviously pops off the page when we look at their team stat page. Points per game against, 55.7. Best in the nation last year. No team is better defensively. Uh, they played a lower pace. They want to get you in that low scoring game. I kind of think of almost like, like the classic Virginia teams of the last couple of years. That's the style they want to play. They don't want to get in the shootout. It's pretty much a contrast to what you've seen the night be- or the game before against Hofstra. You're going to go from being in a shootout to being a defensive struggle. How do you adapt to that? And then also that game being a neutral game in Springfield, kind of like what they had last year, a neutral game in Texas. It's a little bit to play with those quadrant games and trying to build up that resume because you get that extra range where this game is not that far away from being a quadrant one game. It's very firmly a quadrant two game, which will be important if they're on the ball. Yeah, like you said, uh, not too much, not too many things that are special about North Texas's offense, but that defense, obviously incredible number one in the country. And not only that, they brought in the uh, summit defensive player of the year. Uh, going to be rising senior Tyree Eadie. Um, not only is he a defensive player, he averages 10 points, five rebounds, steal a game on 46% from the floor. Uh, look for this to be a game of the Minutemen. It's all, it's going to be about scoring points. 
this North Texas team, they really know how to play defense. They rebound well. And they won't, they won't make mistakes. They'll make you make the mistakes. They don't turn the ball over very often. It's going to come down to can UMass score against this defense. Yeah. I mean, that defense up front last year was pretty incredible, watching them play against UMass, just flying around, um, you know, everywhere. It felt like they just were in somebody's face. They were contesting shots. They were grabbing rebounds really limited the Minutemen on opportunities in that game as well. But I think that's just credit to their head coach, Grant McCaslin, which is kind of an interesting story that he has. Um, you know, he was the, comes into North Texas. He was the head coach at Arkansas state for a year. Um, they were 20 and 12 in that year, but he was a D2 coach before that and has kind of just worked his way steadily up the coaching ladder here to now at a point where he's got a North Texas team that is, Definitely looking to make the tournament this year. They should win uh, the CUSA this year. So just an interesting story, something to look out for. Takes us to our last non-conference game of the year for the Minutemen. They take on Dartmouth. Dartmouth, another Ivy League school like Harvard, a Dartmouth team that has struggled immensely in the last few years. But I think, uh, you know, I think this Dartmouth team is probably not a team to overlook for the Minutemen. Chris, we had talked about this a little bit before we had started, but that game is at a tough time of the year. December 20th, it's going to be the last game they play before everybody kind of goes home for Christmas break. What do we see out of the Minutemen? The game's at home, which benefits them, but this could be a tough game as well. What do you guys see out of Dartmouth? Dartmouth, not too much to be impressed about um, with their team. Obviously, going 9-16 and 16 last year is just absolutely brutal. Um, averaging, they average just about as much as many points as they allow, 68.4 to 68.2. They don't shoot the ball very well uh, from three. They don't shoot the ball well uh, from within the three-point arc. Uh, they're only bringing back two guys that really scored well for them last year. Uh, uh, Ryan Cornish, 7.3 points a game, and Dame Adelakon with 7.8 points a game, but on 60% shooting and 6.4 rebounds. So if there's any key to this game for Dartmouth, it's going to be that senior right there, Dame Adelikon, if they want any chance to win. But Ken Palm has us rolling over this game. Uh, should be no problem for the minimum. As you mentioned, I always am afraid of those games right before Christmas and right before conference play, especially when you're playing a little bit of a lesser opponent. That's a game that's tough to get up for, and Dartmouth can take advantage of you. I think looking at their stats from last year can be a little bit misleading. They played a very tough schedule. They played BC to open the season. They played Stanford and Cal out in California. Then obviously the Ivy League. They had a really good – they took uh, Stanford overtime. And they had a really good win over Bryant in overtime. So those stats, which are very, very average, they're probably the hardest team I've found to say anything on because they're basically the same as their opponent across the board. I think the point differential per game is like 0.2. It's almost – it's scary how exact they are from points to rebound to assist to steals. Uh, the Ivy League as a whole, as I mentioned earlier, with the grad, uh, no grad year there has hurt them. Also, the transfer portal has kind of killed that conference. Because now with that free transfer, if you're productive in the Ivy League, you can go somewhere else and get a scholarship immediately. Yeah, definitely a good point. It is a good point that they played a really, really brutal schedule last year. I mean, just looking at some of their non-conference games, they played BC – they played Georgetown. They played Bryant, who they beat. Bryant was a tournament team last year. They had the nation's uh, leading scorer. Yeah, and Peter Kiss. And then they played UVM, who was pretty good last year. They played Stanford and Cal. So 
you know, a lot of good games they played last year. That experience eventually pays off um, is what I'm hoping. I'm sure they are hoping for. So not a game for the Minutemen to overlook whatsoever. Uh, Chris, you wanted to touch back on the, uh, the Myrtle Beach MTE? Yeah, just looking at it, I think winning that first game is huge, not only to get a win over a Power 16, but also to kind of set yourself up to play more marquee games. The only Quadrant 1, which is basically known as like the big-time games or the good wins, would most likely be Texas A&M. They're a top 50 team, according to Ken Palm, ranked 45th. By far the highest they play schedule versus you lose that game or or you win and Murray State pulls off an upset, something like that. But if you do the same as Murray State, that's a much worse game resume-wise. And then the next round, it's kind of similar. Similar, basically, just avoid Charlotte in terms of strength of schedule. I think Loyola, Tulsa, and Boise are pretty similar. I do like Tulsa and Loyola as around that bubble, and Loyola would be interesting. You don't really play that many conference opponents out of conference. Yeah, it would for sure be weird for them to take on Loyola in a non a game. Um, Your first game against first Loyola, game against Loyola of the error would, would not be, be con- yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. It wouldn't be a conference all, game. All sorts of odd things could happen there. Uh, but the Ramblers are a very, very good team. We'll touch more on them on our A-10 preview, which is coming tomorrow. But one last thing, guys, they've got 12 games. We just went through every single one of them. What is the floor and what is the ceiling for this Minutemen team coming out of the non-conference? Uh, schedule. Where do you see them going into A-10 play with their record? I'm looking at I think there's at least two or three losses in here, even if they play well. I don't see them going 3-0 in that multi-team event. I think they drop one. They drop at least either Towson or Hofstra, in my opinion, and probably one more. So I think a ceiling is 9-3, 10-2. I do think, though, they should take care of business overall. I think the floor, if they can't gel early, which is a major concern with a largely new roster, and in general, uh, teams coached by Coach Martin tend to get better as the year go on. They're not as good at the start of the year as they will be in late February. You could see them being as bad as, honestly, four and eight, six and six, somewhere in that range. But I think it's more likely they're probably eight and four, seven and five, a little above 500, but not, not expecting them to go run the table in non-conference play. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's it's new team, new coach. He brought in six transfers. A couple of them came with came with Coach uh, Martin there. Uh, there should be a couple. There's obviously the couple of easy games that hopefully just are not trap games just because we think they're going to be easy, like the Central Connecticut game or South Florida, those types of games. Uh, definitely the challenges are going to be Colorado, Towson, um, Hofstra. Those are, those are the games that you highlight on the schedule along with the other Myrtle Beach – or sorry, the Myrtle – Invitational, the Myrtle Tournament, however you want to call it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, ceiling, I would say about 10 and 2, 9 and 3, like you said. And the floor, who, honestly, who knows? Because it, it could be 5 and 7, it could be 6 and 6, because they are playing some good teams here, new team. It could be challenging for them. I've got them with about three games that they should win easily. Three or four, they or probably four they should struggle in, and then whatever's that five games they'll be competitive, and even the ones they should. So that anything could happen. They're they're going to be a very volatile team early. Yeah, I I agree with your predictions of this this non conference schedule. Um, Chris, you touched on Martin's 
troubles early in the season. And with such a new roster and a new atmosphere, they're bound to have troubles early. I think it's something I think every Minuteman fan is excited about what this roster is, the talent that is here. Uh, but I think it is worth noting that gelling is super important. These guys have not played together a whole lot and it's going to take time. So they do play a lot of pretty solid teams. I I really think the floor is probably six and six. I don't can't see them going any worse than six and six. I think the ceiling is, is 10 and two here. Um, you know, obviously I don't know exactly where all of those wins come from. But, you know, obviously really tough games in Myrtle Beach, tough game against Townsend, tough game against North Texas. So I've got this team probably, I have, you know, I've got faith that they're probably going to be nine and three, eight and four coming out of non-conference play. And then that takes us right into the A-10. And the A-10 is just as good as it's been, um, you know, the last few years. It is an elite college basketball conference. It is the best mid-major in all of college basketball. And it will be an absolute dogfight. There's a lot of good talent in the A-10, a lot of good teams. But it is critical to this UMass team if they want to make the postseason in any form, whether that's the NCAA tournament or the NIT, that they start strong in non-conference play. So thank you guys for coming on the non-conference show. Again, I'm Sean Oldred. Thank you, Chris Vogel and Andrew Samaha, for joining me today. We will have another episode tomorrow. Uh, the A-10 preview will run through all the teams in the A-10, talk about every single one a little bit, touch on some teams a little bit more, let's talk about some players. Dayton looks really good this year. Anthony Grant and Deron Holmes, quite the dynamic duo down there. But keep it locked in, 91.1. We will have more UMass basketball content every day this week, so keep it locked in, 91.1 WMUA.